Praise the Lord. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed. Well, hello and praise the Lord, everyone. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed. You are joined tonight with, let's see, we have Seth. Hey. Anthony. Jacob. Hey. hey. And Jacob there. <laughs> and uh, myself, Joe Hostetler. You are listening to Scripture Unleashed again. It's where we take the bread reading Bible chart, um, where we go through the whole Bible through the year, but we're just giving, uh, we're taking uh, week by week, we're taking, uh, we're in week number three this week, I guess, but we're just giving a brief overview of what you're going to be reading, hopefully give and maybe some insight, give some comments on it. And this week we are going to be reading Genesis chapter 37 through 50 as well as Exodus chapter 1 through chapter 6 and Psalms chapter 7 verse or Psalms chapter 7 through chapter 10. Um, remember that if you if in while listening to this you hear something that you haven't heard your pastor teach or maybe you've heard him teach something different from some of the verses that we covered please just remember that um you know god has placed that pastor over you don't get a bad attitude towards them Um, don't get bent out of shape and don't leave the church (laughs) and so with that um i think we'll go ahead and get started i believe that i am supposed to give an overview over genesis chapter 37 through 43 does that sound right to you guys yes amen okay Awesome. Well, let's get started. Genesis chapter 37. Um, Hopefully you have been reading your Bible, so you should know who Jacob is by now. But in Genesis chapter 37, we see that that Jacob had 12 sons, 10 from his wife Leah and two from Rachel, um, Joseph being one of Rachel's children. Joseph was, out of all of Jacob's 12 uh, sons, Jacob favored Joseph. Uh, the most for some reason. And he gave Jacob a, or I'm sorry, he gave Joseph a coat of many colors. And his brothers hated Joseph for it. They were envious. They hated him. And in Genesis 37, Joseph has a dream. And in this dream, he basically dreams that all his brothers and his parents bow down to him. And his brothers hated him all the more for it. Then we see that one day Jacob sends his son Joseph out to check on his brothers out where they're hurting some flocks for their father in the land of Shechem. And when they saw Joseph coming, they, uh, they came up with a great plan, they thought, to get rid of him once and for all, just because their envy was eating them up. But we see that one brother, Reuben, doesn't like the idea. And he says, hey, guys, let's just put him in this hole for now. Um, and they did that. But while they were sitting there eating, they saw some Ishmaelites coming. And they said, hey, you know, here's, let's, sell, let's sell Joseph as a slave to these people. And they sold Joseph and for 20 pieces of silver. And they took a goat and they killed the goat and they dipped this coat in, in that blood. And they brought that coat with a, a dipped in the blood. They brought it to their father. And we see that he, of course, believed that his son was killed. And then the, the end of chapter 37, we see that the, uh, the Midianites took and they sold Joseph uh, into Egypt to a man named Potiphar, who was an officer 
of the king. Uh, he was the captain of the guard. Um, Genesis 37, verse 36. And I guess that's a brief overview of 37. And then 38 seems like a really odd chapter. I like guess just a random story. Um, but this this chapter holds great significance because it's in this chapter is where the lineage of Jesus uh, comes from or is passed on down through. And so through Judah, which is one of Jacob's sons. And so it's a very important chapter. It seems out of whack, but... But it's not. God's never out of whack. But Jacob, Jacob's son, Jacob's son Judah, uh, takes a wife. He has some sons, and when his sons get old enough to be married, um, Jacob takes and he, or I'm sorry, Judah takes and he gets um, his first son a wife named Tamar, and Tamar was, or uh, um, I'm sorry, Jacob's son Ur was um, um, he was evil in the sight of the Lord, the Bible says, and, and God slew him. So she was, she was a widow now, and he gave him his second son, Onan. He gave her his second son, Onan, and God slew him as well. And we see how she came up with an idea that she was going to have a child. And if you read the story, it's kind of, a, kind of a weird story how she dresses up like a harlot. She sits out by the wayside, and Jacob... Or Judah, I keep saying Jacob. Judah comes, and he uh, uh, he lies with her, and she conceives a child, and uh, through a weird, through some weird things, um, Judah didn't know who she was. But uh, when he found out that she was with child, he said she needs to be put to death. And then she had some some things of his um, that showed that he was the father of this this child. And, uh, and he repents of that. And so I think that's a, kind of an overview of 38. Uh, what do you guys, anything else that anybody wants to add in? Or Okay. All right. 39. Continuing on with Joseph. Joseph is in Egypt now. He gets sold to, again, to Potiphar. And we see that Joseph was brought down to, uh, to Potiphar's house. And it's not very long. The Bible says in, in 39 verse 2 that the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. And it didn't take long for for Joseph's master, Potiphar, to notice um, Joseph's work ethic, that he was a prosperous man. And next thing you know, he really, Joseph rose to prominence in his master's house and um, kind of set him over a lot of things, pretty much everything in the house. But Matt, Joseph's master wasn't the only person that noticed him. Uh, Potiphar's wife started noticing Joseph, and she, um, she was attracted to him. And one day she took Joseph, and she said, here, lie with me. And Joseph, I like Joseph's response. He said, how could I do such an evil thing against the Lord? He said, how could I do this great wickedness and sin against yeah. God? And she was very upset about it. She, um, she accused him of trying to force her to her husband. Um, mm -hmm. And through all of this, Joseph got put into prison. He got falsely accused, which is a terrible, terrible thing. Mm. And then he got put into prison for it. But we see that even in prison, it didn't take long for Joseph to rise to prominence again. Yep. Um, the guard noticed Joseph's, um, you know, I guess his work ethic, that he was um, you know, a good person, that he was 
it, it just noticed Joseph's integrity, his character, and the keeper yeah. of the prison committed to Joseph's hands all the prisoners that were in the prison and whatsoever they did here, he was the doer of it. And so Joseph, um, Joseph rose to prominence in the prison, Genesis chapter 39. Then in chapter 40, we see that there's some, um, that there is some prisoners that come in. They were, they got put into prison because they had offended the king. There was a, um, a baker and a butler. Yeah. Yeah. Butler and a baker. And, um, while Where's they were the candlestick maker, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's in uh, chapter forty-one. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, but they came in and they one day Joseph noticed that they were sad, and he asked them what was going on, and they said uh, that we had a dream, and um, that Joseph said, "What you know? What was it?" They tell him their dream. And Joseph interprets the first one, and he says, in three days, you're going to go back, and you're going to be restored back to your job as being the butler for the king. And Joseph said, but when you go there, please remember me. I'm here in prison. I want to get out of this place. And then the baker uh, told him his dream, and uh, Joseph told him the meaning of his dream, and all the things that Joseph said came to pass. And... uh, the butler was restored back to his butlership again, and the baker was hanged. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so uh, Joseph interpreted his dreams for him. But when the butler returned back to the king, he did not remember Joseph. He forgot all about it. And, but God still worked through all of it. In, ch- in chapter 41, we see that. Um, that the king now all of a sudden has a dream. He's very troubled by the dream, and there was no one that can interpret that dream for him. And um, then the butler remembered Joseph. He said, King, there's a man back in the prison that uh, when I was there, when I offended you, I was there. And this man interpreted our dream, uh, my dream, and the baker's dream. And everything that he said came to pass. And so the king sent them to get Joseph. And they cleaned him up, and they brought him before the king. And the king told him his dreams, and Joseph was able to interpret these. And it's God giving him the interpretation. But Joseph was able to relay the message. He told the king the meaning of his dreams. And then I think it's interesting that Joseph advises this man. He says, hey, probably be a good idea if you take a wise man. And, a, and the interpretation of the dream was that there was going to be seven years of a great uh, plentiful harvest and there was going to be seven years of drought. And Joseph told him, Hey, you should probably uh, take a man that's wise and discreet and you should uh, put him in charge of storing up corn in this good time for when the drought hits. And Pharaoh says, you're the man. <laughs> and so Joseph, <laughs> it's really interesting because everywhere Joseph goes, uh, he just rises to prominence. Now he's, uh, the king sets him second in command under only himself. And Joseph is second in command in Egypt to only the king. And um, he um, is able to save up a whole bunch of money or a whole bunch of corn for when the drought hits. And it's interesting mm-hmm. how God just did that in Joseph's life. That's in uh, Genesis 41. Then in 42, we see that the famine didn't just hit Egypt. But it hit 
Canaan, the land of Canaan, and where, where uh, Joseph's brothers and his father were. And when that drought hit, they sent um, Jacob. Jacob sent his sons. He said, hey, I hear there's corn down in Egypt. And he goes, guys, go down there, buy some corn. And when they got there, Joseph uh, immediately recognizes his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. And they came and they bowed down to Joseph, which was fulfilled Joseph's dreams that he had in 37. But Joseph uh, kind of gives them a hard time. He's trying to pry some information out of them. And he wants to know about his father and his younger brother, Benjamin. But he doesn't want to just straight out ask him, but he kind of in a roundabout way, he's trying to get information. He accuses them of being spies. They said, hey, we are not spies. And he said, well, if you're not spies, here's what we're going to do. Is I'm going to take one of you, and you need to go back, and you need to bring your younger brother that you were telling me about. That way I know you're not lying. And when they come back and they tell their father about it, um, Jacob absolutely refused to let Benjamin go because he said um, that, you know, I'm going to die if I lose Benjamin too. And so, Mm -hmm. but, you know, corn only lasts for so long. And so Genesis chapter 43 they have to go back to Egypt. And they said, we can't go back without bringing Benjamin with us. And Jacob was very grieved about it. He didn't want to let his son go, but they, t- but they had to go. They needed corn. They take him. And um, when, they, when they got there, um, Joseph... Um, he he, he uh, lets their brother out of jail, and he feeds them, and uh, he takes them and he puts them all in order from the firstborn to the last. And they, I guess, uh, Genesis forty-three verse twenty. Um, they drank; they were merry with them, but it's only the start of of uh, uh, more trouble, I guess. And so that's a brief overview of. Genesis chapter 37 through 43, and I believe Seth is going to go ahead and give us an overview of 44 through 50. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yep, that's what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, I'll right. just pick it up right where you left off there. You know, in, in uh, you know he in chapter 44, <clears throat> Joseph is you know has his brothers come in in 43, and then in 44, you know he is going to let the men leave. You know they they got their brother out of jail. And Benjamin is there. He's going to let them all leave. And he uh, they, has them put their money back in the mouth of their sack. Again, the Bible says. And But then he has, uh, um, he puts his silver cup. And if you look, you know, it says it's the one he uses for divining, which is kind of an interesting concept. But uh, in Benjamin's mm-hmm. sack, and uh, in the mouth of his sack, in the top of it. And so they head off out of <laughs> out of town. And then he has some men chase down the, the his brothers, and they find uh, the cup in Benjamin's sack, and and uh, you know they all come back to Joseph's house, and Judah pleads for Benjamin. You know they, you know, um, you know the one Joseph had talked to him. He said the one that who's you know uh, the cup in in whose sack was found, uh, he's going to be my servant. And Judah kind of pleads for Benjamin. You know he begs for for Benjamin. He said you know no if if you 
take Benjamin, you know, our dad will die. You know, he's going to, he's just going to die. That's what's going to happen. You can't, you can't take him. Mm -hmm. Please take me instead. And it, you know, it showed his brothers kind of had grown up, um, kind of matured, you know, they realized what, what they had done to their father and then Benjamin, uh, and realized how much Benjamin meant to their father as well. And, uh, you know, and they didn't want to see, if you read the last verse in 44, verse 34, you know, he said, uh, for how shall I go up to my father and the lad be not with me, lest peradventure, perhaps I see the evil that shall come on my father. And Judah just doesn't want to see this happen. You know, he knows this is going to kill his dad and he doesn't want to see that happen. But in 45, Joseph finally realizes, um, or not realizes, but he reveals himself to his brothers and he he begins to cry upon his brothers and he say, come look at me, you know, take a look. I'm your brother. And they're, they're very troubled. I would be too, you know, your brother, this guy, you know, he's dead. Mm -hmm. He's gotta <laughs> be dead, you know? And, and, uh, or he's, you know, somewhere, he's just a servant somewhere in Egypt. We don't know, you know, but he look, no, look at me. And, and he realizes, they realize, Oh, this is Joseph. And, and, uh, and then Joseph, uh, you know, he, he, um, you know, him and Benjamin, they embrace, you know, and, and all this. And then Joseph, um, you know, they, they, you know, it's a happy reunion and Joseph, you know, just kind of, he just kind of forgives them, shows you the maturity of Joseph. He's, he just accepts his brothers. He, you know, he loves his family again, but Joseph wants his whole family to come back to Egypt. You know, he knows there's a famine going on. Mm -hmm. He knows that uh, they're not going to make it unless they, they come to Egypt. And so, you know, he wants, you know, the whole, uh, all the children of Jacob, all the children of Israel to come back to Egypt. And even Pharaoh gets on the bandwagon and says, oh, yeah, you know, as the Bible says, it pleased Pharaoh that Joseph's brothers had come. And he, and he says, yeah, you go invite all your family back here. We'll give them some of the best land we have. And he sends a whole bunch of uh, uh, food and whatnot with uh, the, the brothers of Joseph and to invite them back. And then, you you know, towards the end of 45, Jacob sees all the provisions. They say, hey, Joseph's alive. Come with us to Egypt. God has made him a lord over uh, Egypt. And so come with us. And Jacob looks out and sees all the food and all the provisions and all the wagons. And he says, absolutely, I'm going. So he gets up and he makes the journey. And it's interesting because you study a little bit out. He comes before Pharaoh mm -hmm. in chapter 47. And he's 100 and uh, 30 years old when he makes his his trek into Egypt and uh that's just that's just crazy that's that's too late right. in life to be making a big address change like that but <laughs> you know he does it but anyways in 46 Jacob he goes to Egypt he makes the the journey it kind of speaks in chapter 46 it gives you know those really boring genealogies but it's just giving all the the number of people that are that are coming into Egypt and i believe it's uh, 66 that come into Egypt aside from Joseph, his wife and his two sons at the time, there's about 70 total under the banner of Israel's mm -hmm. family that, that are in Egypt at this time. And you obviously towards the end of 46, you have the reunion of Joseph and Jacob. They get back together. They're reunited. And he says, now I can die. And in verse, or excuse me, chapter 47, Genesis 47, the brothers, uh, you know, meet with Pharaoh and, uh, you know, they were shepherds and he's all right, you're going to have this land. Uh, Jacob comes before Pharaoh and he blesses Pharaoh, the Bible says. And uh, Pharaoh asks him, how old are you? He must have looked pretty old or something. You know, <laughs> how old are you? I'm 130, you know, and then Jacob and the whole family, they settle in the land of Goshen. And then you also have towards the end of 47, uh, you have the, uh, 
just just how Joseph handled the last five years of the drought, and uh, he he just increased Egypt's prosperity. You know, the people come to him; they sell their uh, they sell their their cattle to Pharaoh for for food. Then they then they run out of cattle; they sell their land, and then it also throws in that the the false priests didn't have to sell the land. They just had a, a plot mm-hmm. established them. Joseph, um, then, uh, you know, they, they, they come up with kind of a tax system too. It's kind of interesting there towards the end of 47, it describes Jacob's, um, kind of his last little bit of, um, you know, I can die now, you know, I'm ready to go. You know, he said he lived 17 more years, um, in the land of mm-hmm. Egypt, but then for, uh, chapter 48, um, Joseph's, uh, Joseph's sons, they come to see Jacob and they are blessed by Jacob, you know, and, and it's interesting because Jacob crosses his hands on the two sons of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he blesses the younger above the elder. Uh, he lays his right hand on the younger and his left hand on the elder. It's supposed to be the other way around, but it just goes to show you that God always seems like God always wants to work outside of the box. He's not going to be put into a box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, then you know, towards the end of 48, you know, there's, uh, the, uh, the return to Canaan is, is, uh, prophesied of, if you want to say it like that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you then 49 going over into 49, uh, Jacob's blessings on his sons, you know, he blesses Reuben, he blesses Simeon, he blesses Levi and Judah, uh, and Zebulun and Issachar. And it's very interesting. The blessing of Judah we have uh, our blessing, or not our blessings, but we get the uh, the prophecies of the Messiah here come out of that blessing of Judah. You know, it talks about the lion, and we know the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ. We know um, the scepter, verse uh, chapter forty nine, verse ten: the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and then you look at the last part of verse ten: and unto him shall the gathering of the people be talking about. The Messiah, the the one that will come out of of Judah, blessing of Dan, right. Gad, Naphtali, the blessing of Joseph, the blessing of Benjamin, and then Jacob, where he wants to be buried, he gives that. Then you have the death of Jacob, and then going into chapter fifty, you have uh, where they they mourn for Jacob, they take Jacob out, they bury him beside uh, where his fathers were buried in the cave uh, where Abraham uh, and Sarah were buried where Isaac, I believe, was buried. Um, and so he's mm-hmm. buried. And then also, like, I think Joe may have uh, brief, uh, briefly touched it, but um, at least we did before this. But jo- uh, the the brothers, once their dad died, they have this fear that Joseph is going to, um, you know, now that dad's gone, you know, he's going to take his wrath out on us. But Joseph breaks down, you know, they, they, they beg and plead, and plead with him, don't, you know, don't hurt us, don't, you know, we'll be your servants. And and he uh, he says, you know what, guys, guys, I'm your family. You know, you know what you thought evil against me, uh, God meant it for good to bring this to you know to bring this to pass, you know, to save our family. So you know what you, he sees the big picture. Joseph is mature in his right. thinking, and then it also describes Joseph's last days, uh, how he dwelt, and then the, obviously the end of chapter fifty is the death of Joseph. And then uh, I think the next guy is getting what Exodus, Exodus. Yeah. So that's that's the overview of forty through forty four through fifty. Very good. I believe Anthony's going to give us an overview 
of Exodus chapter 1 through chapter 6. Anthony, take it away. Yeah, Exodus is the second book of the Bible. It is the book where we're introduced to this little-known character called Moses. (laughs) That's kind of a joke. (laughs) Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, But what's interesting is Israel lived. There had to come a time where they died, and the Bible talks about uh, that whole entire generation phased out. And, but the children of Israel just kept growing. They were fruitful, and they just kept multiplying. And the Bible says they waxed mighty. And then all of a sudden, uh, there's this new king in Egypt. And he looked around, and he's like, man, that's a Hebrew. And that's a Hebrew. And that's a Hebrew over there. And he, he, he just couldn't help but think, man, these guys are taking over. Uh, man, that's crazy. Uh, so he devised this plan that he talked to the Hebrew midwives and said, look, I want you to kill all the male children off uh, because we can't be having this. This is the land of Egypt, not the land of Hebrews. So he, he does that, uh, or at least he tries to. <laughs> but God has other plans. Uh, right. So so he gives the order out, and this character called Moses is hidden. Uh, he survives uh, on a little tiny, I don't know, boat, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> little little ark. Yeah, little little miniature ark, and uh, he he's actually saved by the water there, and uh, he he grows up uh, in Pharaoh's courts actually, um, but he's raised in his Hebrew heritage yet, which is phenomenal how God did that. But that's mm-hmm. just the way our God works. He, he does amazing things. Uh, mm-hmm. He knows where we're at. He knows what our destiny is. Uh, but going on, Moses is, uh, you know, he's, he's studying, he's learning, he's doing all these great things in the courts of Egypt. Uh, all of a sudden he, he looks out and he sees uh, this injustice, he sees uh, an Egyptian slaying or attacking uh, a, a Hebrew, one of his Hebrew brethren, and he doesn't like it. So he actually, he, he smites him. He, he slews him. Uh, he, he, it was funny because he says he looked this way and that way, and, and he thought yeah. he thought nobody was looking, and that's when he, he slew the Egyptian took him out uh, and he thought, man, yeah, I'm pretty good, you know. Uh, but the next day he went out and then he saw that there was two Hebrews fighting together. And then he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. What, what is wrong with you guys? We're, we're, all, we're all brothers. And they just thought, man, well, who made you a judge over us? Uh, and then, of course, he, he finds out that, uh, yeah, it's not a secret. Everyone's seen and knew about mm-hmm. playing Egyptian the day before. And that's, of course, when he he flees from Pharaoh. He goes into exile. That's still in chapter 2 there. Uh, moving on to chapter 3, um, Moses is, he had been living out in the desert. Uh, he was in charge of a flock of sheep under his father-in-law, Jethro. Um but he's just there minding his own business in the backside of the desert. 
when he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, it says in verse one, and this angel, the Lord appears onto him in this flaming bush. And of course he looks and beholds and the bush is, is on fire, but it's not. And then he said, well, I guess, I guess I know what I'm going to do. So he, he takes off on a, and he, uh, goes towards the burning bush to see what the deal is. And it's in this moment that God reaches out to him and says, look, Moses, you're standing on holy ground. Uh, of course, he takes off his shoes and, and he says, look, well, what do you want from me? <laughs> uh, you, you know, uh, you know what, what do you want from me? And the Bible says he hid his face. Let's check this out in verse 6, just real quick. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And it says, and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. It seems like Moses had kind of an issue uh, hiding. <laughs> but hmm. but uh, he, uh, he ends up talking to God through the angel or, or whatever, however you want to see it. Um, and he's, there's this great task that is presented to him. The children of Israel are suffering. There, there's affliction all across Egypt. Um, God's people are in bondage. Um, it's, it's an epidemic of pain and suffering. Uh, right. it is not, it's not what God had planned for his people. And so he, he chooses Moses to be that mediator, to be that deliverer of the land. And of course, Moses is like, and, and we've heard it all preached before, you know, who me, you know, uh, mm. you want to use me. And, and God's like, yeah, yeah, because I can use anybody. <laughs> I think that's the whole point. God can use right. anybody. Uh, you know, the, right. the, the weaker the vessel, it looks the greater, the master that uses it. Right. Right. Um, that's kind of like, I don't know, the master musician who's playing the, the $5 guitar or something, you know, making it sound awesome. But God says, God says to Moses, I am that I am. And he says, I'm going to do some wonders. And so he, he prepares to, to use Moses. Um, moving on, let's go to chapter four. Moses is... You know, he's like, well, nobody's going to listen to me. Uh, and God says, well, let, let me show you a few things. And, of course, he, first thing he does is uh, say, look, uh, you have a rod? And Moses is like, yeah. <laughs> and, and the Lord says, well, cast it on the ground. So he did. And then, of course, the serpent came out of it or became it, I guess. It became a serpent. And Moses got scared. He backed away. He fled, the Bible says. Um, mm -hmm. And then, of course, he picked it up by the tail and it became a rod again. Um, the second thing that kind of blows Moses' mind is God says, look, take your hand into your bosom. Take it into his bosom. <laughs> I know, great word. And, uh, and he, he puts it in his bosom and it becomes leprous as snow, the Bible says. Um, and then... He's like, ah, this is terrible. And then he puts it back in, and it's it's clean. It's it's whole. It's the way it's supposed to be. 
so so God reveals some miracles, some some signs, I guess, of what He can do. And I suppose this is kind of a foreshadowing of some of the plagues and and, and some of the miracles, some of the I don't know. I guess you could say it's kind of magical in a way. Uh, just kind of, uh, just it's amazing what God can do. Supernatural, I guess, is a better term. I would say, you know, God can do the supernatural thing that yes. our minds our minds can't fathom. Um, right. And I think I think yeah. He wanted to open Moses's mind up a little bit, um, so He presented these things. Um, of course, we know Moses. He he didn't feel adequate. He he didn't. Uh, feel like he could be this this great deliverer that God wanted him to be and uh, God says hey what about Aaron he'll help you out um, and so he does he, he starts being this uh, voice piece for Moses for a while um, moving on let's go to chapter 5 trying to be quick trying to be mindful of time here um He confronts Pharaoh. He says, look, I need, the Lord told me, you got to let my people go, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's like, well, who's the Lord? Who's that? Mm-hmm. What is the Lord you speak of? Um, so, so that's interesting. <laughs> it's, I don't know if you ever tried talking to somebody about God and they're like, well, who's God? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the exact same deal. Um, so, yeah, Mo- and, Moses and, and Aaron, what's that? Go ahead. I was just going to say, God introduces himself in a real nice way, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, with the, the plagues and all that <laughs> pestilence. Um, so, Pharaoh's not buying into it, and this is all part of God's plan. Um, mm-hmm. He hardens Pharaoh's heart so many times, and we'll cover that later on in the next chapters. But um, for now, Pharaoh is content with just making the lives of the Israelites even harder and even worse. And he he increases the burdens. He tells the taskmasters just to lay it on them thick, and uh, there's greater bricks and weight and uh, He's trying to make their everyday tasks even harder and wear them out and really just kill them off, I guess. Um, and the people of Israel are just, just crying out for relief. They're, they're asking for help. They're, uh, they're like, hey, we can't handle all this, Moses. Um, and Moses prays. You can read that in verse 22. Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil and treated this people. Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to his, this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Um, so he's kind of like, God, you, you told me that your, your people needed deliverance, and I did what you told me to do, but it's only getting worse. Um, which is interesting because there's so much more to the story. Of course, we're not reading it this week, but you have to come back next week. There you go. There's a cue. <laughs> come back next week, see what happens. But uh, chapter six, chapter six, um, 
trying to go through my notes here. Um, God renews his promise to Moses. He says, look, I haven't forgotten you. I still want you to do what I want you to do. And he says, look, I am the Lord. I am. Uh, verse three says, I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac, unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty. But by my name, Jehovah, was I not known to them? And so he's he's saying to Moses, look, I I am the Lord. You, you need to have some faith. You need to realize that I have control over everything. Um, you're in good hands, Moses. Right. Um, That's good. Yeah. And so, uh, and that is kind of the gist of chapter six, I guess. Uh, All right. Yep. Very good. Um, let's see, Jacob, can you give us yeah. an overview on uh, Psalms? That's, I guess, uh, all you'll be reading out of Exodus for this week. But Psalms, we'll be reading Psalms chapter 7 through chapter 10. Jacob, can you give us uh, an overview on those chapters? Yeah. So the first three uh, chapters, uh, 7, 8, and 9, are actually Psalms of David. Um, Psalm number 10 really doesn't have a whole lot of um, correlation. It doesn't say who wrote it. Uh, most people will probably associate it with David. Um, but Psalm 7 is basically David talking about how God is his refuge. Um, he's talking about how he's being persecuted by his enemies and he's asking God to protect him, asking God to, to be there for him. Um, uh, he says, you know, if I have rewarded evil unto any man, that was at peace with me, then let the enemy persecute my soul. But if not, then let, then help me, Lord, you know, save me from this. Um, I know one of the, one of the, the more probably powerful parts in uh, Psalm seven is verse 10, where he says, my defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. Right. Um, you know, that is, that is our whole thing with God is that he is the one who protects us. He is the one who stands in the gap between us and the enemy and defends us. Right. Um, if we jump to verse or chapter eight, uh, this is in fact one of my more favorite psalms. Uh, there's lots that I love. Uh, psalm one nineteen is probably my most favorite, but we'll get into that at some point. Um, but Psalm eight is one of my favorite, and the fact that it's 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 an exclamation of how great God is. He says, "Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth." Um, he talks about when I look at the heavens, when I see all the stars, the work of your fingers and everything, I ask myself, what is man? Who am I that you would even look at me? Who am I that you are mindful of me? Right. Um, you know, he, he talks about how, how God has placed us lower than the angels yet given us dominion over all the earth. And, and this is also an illusion or a, a type and shadow of, of Christ as well. Um, verses five and six, uh, talk about. Um, how Christ is placed a little lower than the angels in his humanity, but he still has dominion over all the works of God's hands and God places everything under his feet. Um, it's just, it's amazing how David is just so emphatic on how majestic, how excellent is the name of our God. Right. And then Psalms nine, uh, it recounts again, this is David recounting all the wonderful works of God, recounting all of his marvelous works. He talks about how uh, God has maintained his right in his cause, that he sat in the throat judging right, like that God was uh, rebuking any heathen, that the enemies were destroyed uh, before him. And 
he begins to sing the praises of God and what God has done for him at this point. And then Psalm chapter 10, these aren't very long, so it takes quite a bit or quite a little time, but Psalms chapter 10, um, basically if this is David, this is a time and whoever the psalmist is that writes this, they're in a time of trouble. They're in a time of heartache, a time of heartbreak, uh, whatever it is. And they're crying out to God. They're saying, God, where are you? Why are you standing so far? And, um, it's interesting. The reason why we would say that this is David's is because it seems to have his flow and that he starts out negative and then he progressively works his way into declaring how great God is. Right. Um, by the, by verse 12, he says, arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thine hand, forget not the humble. Wherefore doth the wicked contemn God? He hath said in his heart, thou wilt not require it. Thou hast seen it for thou beholdest mischief and spite. And, and he talks about how the Lord is king forever and ever in verse 16. And that he will judge the fatherless and the oppressed. Um, that the man of the earth may no more oppress. In the last verse. So that's the overview. Uh, kind of quick overview of Psalms chapter 7 through 10. Awesome. Folks, that was our overview of Genesis 37 through 50. Exodus 1 through 6, and Psalms chapter 7 through 10. We're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come right back with maybe um, a few minutes of a little more focused content. We'll be right back. All right. Well, welcome back, folks. We are back on Scripture Unleashed. And now we are going to take a little deeper dive maybe into what you've been reading. Uh, we got some topics that we want to cover, some things that stick out. And in the story of Joseph, of course, there's so many things we could talk about. But mm -hmm. the beauty of it is you can search it out yourself and uh, pick up some of those nuggets. Absolutely. But, we're, but we have yeah. a few topics. And um, in first one is, is in Genesis chapter 37. Jacob, you got anything to say yeah. about chapter 37? Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed is that we seem to see here at the end mm -hmm. of chapter 37 after uh, – after Joseph's sons bring, or sorry, Joseph's brothers bring uh, his coat of many colors dipped in blood to their father. Um, and after he begins to weep and he won't be consoled, it, it says in these verses that it's perhaps at this point, wow. it's perhaps at this point that uh, these brothers begin to see their mistake. You know, they, they realize, mm -hmm. oh, what have we done? Because now they're trying to get their dad to stop crying, but. He won't, no matter what they do, no matter, they can't seem to cheer him back up. Right. Um, it's like they, it's like they didn't think about how their actions would affect those around them, especially their father. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Now, are you crying. I thought you were laughing. Are, are, are you Jacob or are you the sons now? Because you realize your mistake. <laughs> That's that terrible. Mistake. That was a very, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> as the importance of um, realizing what kind of our actions and boy, you would think mm. killing somebody. Wow. You know, what a, what kind of, wow. you know, the consequences that's going to carry, but yeah, they, yeah. it does yeah. seem that, wow, you know, the full effect of how this affected their father. Um, mm. They are seeing that now. That's so true. Yeah. Any, anybody else got anything they want to add to that? I think another thing uh, is, we do the same thing, maybe not physically, but how many times do we 
you know, just put somebody down without even realizing it, maybe verbally or emotionally, or, you know, maybe even spiritually, God forbid, but we're unaware of what our actions are doing to somebody else. Right. And Mm -hmm. danger it's putting them in, maybe even spiritually. Right. That's so true. We need to be sensitive to to, uh, people and people's feelings. Absolutely. That's for sure. Okay. Very good. Another chosen topic we have is found in Genesis chapter 41, verses 51 and 52. Seth, we're going to let you take a stab at that one. Yeah, you know, it just really stuck out to me, the 51 and 52, is because Joseph is is in this foreign land. Uh, You know, he does get married. The Bible talks about here in 41. He gets married. He, uh, you know, he begins to have a family, you know, but he's not dwelling on his past. And we can tell, you know, he's not, you know, as you read the story of Joseph, he's not a bitter person. Uh, but, no. he, you know, he's just a he's just a powerful, powerful individual in the, in the scriptures. You know, really, he is. He's, he's a phenomenal he's a, example. He, absolutely. Yeah. He's, a, he's the, the like the Christian before Christianity was ever you know, a thing, you know, but he's just top notch, you know, but he he's looking ahead like towards God. He's always looking towards God and towards the bigger picture of what's going on. And his children's names reflect that, you know, in another place in scripture, the. Uh, you know, there was a, a son named Ichabod. If you look later in the scriptures, and the the uh, the Ark of the Covenant had been taken out of the nation of Israel, and they, you know, the Ichabod it meant the glory had departed. You know, they were, it was sad. It was a time of yeah. mourning. You know, and then names meant something. And so Joseph here he names his his first son Manasseh. For God said, this is a uh, Genesis forty one fifty one. He said, and Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said he hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. So Joseph had, you know, put all, you know, all of his work and all the years of trouble and all the pain that he had suffered and all the hardships that he'd gone through in his life behind him and all of everything he remembered of his old life. He put it behind him and, and he's pressing towards God. You know, he made me, God made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And then he, and then with the second son, he even takes it a step further. He says, the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. So not only, you know, he puts the past behind him, but not only that, but now he's prospering in the land of, uh, of his affliction. You know, he's away from his family. He's away from all this, you know, where it should have been. And now he's being fruitful he's prospering he's being blessed by god and it's just powerful you know he's you know he's content he's 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 just content with god content with how god has blessed his life and it just stands on a powerful way in the name in the way that he names his his children yeah 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 i agree with that and you know even prior to that you know because things are going pretty good for joseph now so it's easy to name his children but Prior to that, Joseph went through some really, really tough things. And one of the hardest things, yes. I think, is being falsely accused of, in this case, rape, which yeah. is, mm-hmm. you know, that's a terrible, terrible thing to be accused of. Yes. You know, even by world, by the world standards, I mean, that's just a terrible thing, rape. Yeah. And, you know, so Joseph is accused. And, man, even through all of this stuff, he's sold as a common slave. Uh, then he's accused. And, he ends up in prison. Joseph just has, it seems, this this attitude of, um, I'm still going to do what's right, no matter yeah. what. Um, yes. You know, I'm still going to yeah. do for God. And that's, 
That is so powerful, I think. Joseph is, man, he is quite a character. We can sure learn a lot from Joseph. Yes. Um, anybody else got anything they want to add on that thought of Joseph naming his children? Okay, that must be a no. <laughs> Anthony. <laughs> um, next topic, we're going to talk a little bit about the correlations between Joseph, the life of Joseph, perhaps, and and uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Anthony. You got anything to say about that? Yeah, we were just talking about Joseph being a Christian, being an example of yeah. righteousness, uh, especially <laughs> a, a land of bondage, especially in a impure place. He, he stood mm-hmm. out. He was a light. Uh, he became a savior. Um, this is this story is not by accident, but it's it's a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Right. Um, th- there there had to be great suffering and great trouble and great pain um, to bring salvation. Genesis forty five and verses four through five. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me thither. Why? For God did send me before you to preserve life. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. So sometimes we, we wonder what's going on in our lives. But here, I like how he says, you know, don't be angry. Don't, don't be grieved. Yeah. For this is the God thing. God did send me before you to preserve life. We have to remember that God is authoring our lives. So, and I love that because I think Brother Seth had already mentioned it that he didn't go, he didn't grow bitter, he didn't grow cynical, yeah. um, and callous. He, he he kept just doing what's right. He kept a pure heart. He kept the right mindset the right attitude he he understood i think part of that part of why it was so easy to for joseph is because he had this supernatural connection with the lord that look god preserved god has a purpose for my life from a young from a young age he understood that uh, there's something different about me than my brothers um right there's something different about me god has a purpose for my life and I think us as individuals and Christians, if we would come to that place where we understand that God has a purpose for our lives, yeah. we would we would view things in a much different manner than than other people would. We we wouldn't succumb yeah. to bitterness and uh, cynicism and, and uh, maybe a bad attitude. So, so I think that's important, um, right? But yeah, there, but yeah, there's this connection. With Joseph and Jesus, uh, the, there's a connection. Verse 7 says, he says it again, God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Man, when you, when you read yeah. that and you understand that everyone around Egypt was dying, they were literally starving to death, this is a great deliverance. Right. But, 
But you think of that and how great that deliverance was. Seven years of famine, um, seven years of, of just nothing and, and just waste and uh, dust, I guess. Um, that was our lives before Jesus Christ. That was our yes. lives before living in darkness. That was our lives um, living in sin. You talk about a great deliverance. When right. Jesus, when Jesus met us in that altar of repentance and prayer, mm-hmm. that is a great deliverance. Um, yeah. And right. just, I guess, moving on to Genesis 50, well, I guess since I'm on a roll about it, I guess, um, it says, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? Once again, there's that, you know, Joseph realizes who he is in the scheme of life. You right. Know? I, am I right. in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, bring to pass as it is in this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. So in the scripture we find, I just hit on it, Joseph's relation to God's sovereignty but also the proper response to those that hurt you. And then lastly, an unwavering trust in God's authorship. Right. Uh, when when yeah. we go through pain, I'm, sometimes I wonder, you know, man, I'm doing the right thing. I've done everything I know how to do. I've given it my all. I, I've lived for God. I've, I've uh, you know, I hung and I clung and I grasp onto integrity with, with all my strength, but yet I still had to endure suffering or endure something that maybe was undeserving. Uh, but sometimes that's life. Sometimes we do go through things that maybe we, we really probably don't deserve. Jesus did. Joseph did. Right. Um, right. But, yeah. but at the same time, going through those things help us to connect with other people that are going through things and, and we share that human experience and cause, cause we are living in a world of pain and suffering and right. Just as Joseph was living in Egypt, that, that land of sin, Seth. Yeah. 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 On that, Seth. No, that's, that's, Oh yeah, no, I got it. It's, that's exactly right. You know, and, and, um, the, um, you know, you know, as we move into Exodus there, is it you know that um you look in the first chapter of Exodus and you know you start looking at about verse eleven, mm-hmm. you know, that, that type of thing, you start realizing that that Egypt is you know, it's how would be the right word, a typology. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a type, a shadow of sin in yes. our lives. You know, and uh, yeah, we need a you know, uh from that we need a great deliverer you know and we we get that too yeah. but um in Moses coming up here in Exodus but you know you you start looking in Exodus it's so easy to see um Egypt typified as sin you know you look at verse 11 therefore uh this is talking about the Egyptians you know this is a generation that they didn't know after you know they didn't know Joseph yeah. they didn't know uh the pharaoh didn't know the pharaoh before like nobody knew anybody from back in the day and now it's all these new people and then he's just intimidated by the hebrews but you know verse 11 says therefore they did sit over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens and they pharaoh treasures cities 
uh, Python and Ramses. Yeah. But then, you know, that first part of 11, therefore they did sit on them taskmasters to afflict mm. them with burdens. This is what right. sin does yes. to the lives of individuals. Yeah. And then you look at verse 13, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, or that word rigor literally means harshness. They made them serve with harshness. They by you know, and then verse 14, they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. You know, that's sin. That's what sin will do to you. And so, you know, we'll, you'll find out later in the scriptures um, as you read through, but Egypt is, is a type of sin. Like it's it's what we're in before we're free right, by God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you look at uh, Exodus chapter 1, and, you know, and it's, it's crazy because our nation, you look at our America now, the United States now, and it's it's just bound in sin yeah. of pleasure, yeah. of immorality, of of uh, <laughs> I don't even want to get into all yeah. of it, but you know we we know the sins of our day. You know the the homosexual agenda, the you know transgenderism agenda now. You know and just on and right. on, and and you know it's just it's it's just declining into a, just a horrible state of moral decay. But you look at that, and it's in, it's bondage, yeah. of sin is what America's yeah. in. And then you look today, and there's a perfect parallel in our day and age. And then you look in Exodus one sixteen, um, where it says, "And he said, this is this is uh, the king of Egypt or the Pharaoh, and he said." When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. This is interesting. The uh, the Pharaoh wants the the children, the male mm-hmm. children specifically, of the Hebrews killed. And in our day and age, same thing. We have the same thing, but we yep. have it now in a very nice clean stare away and it's called abortion only it's not a nice and clean children, stare away no, either no it's it's, it's not ugly it's it's disgusting it's, it's it's supposed to be more sterile yeah. you know is what i'm hitting at but it's still it's murder yeah, it's murder and it's That's, ugly yes and it's and it's disgusting in the eyes of god yeah. and uh in you know and, and you just see the parallel not only are men being told to shut up in this day and age and men are being put down and we we are the leaders of our you know supposed to be the leaders of our nation they're trying to kill off the the men children but not only that but they are they are killing off the children in our day and age they're again killing off the children as well that's what sin right. will do to you right yeah yeah i mean it it like sin it, is a reproach you know, to any our, nation. our children our children aren't mm. going to suffer for our sin like eternally but they do you know, if I were to sin and, and my son were to see me sin, well, then he's going to say, OK, that's cool. Let me do it, too. And it just becomes this perpetual thing more than, you know, yeah, we're seeing it in the physical, but it's also in the spiritual that our children are suffering in this nation mm-hmm. across yes. the world, you know, because they watch us. They see us doing this stuff and then they do it, too. And it becomes just a vicious cycle. Right. Yeah. Let's. Uh, oh, man, I feel like preaching now. <laughs> But yeah, let's let's get on that. I mean, when sin, it, you know, it, it it gets into a person, you know, and it's it's somebody's in bondage of sin. Yes, it destroys the children, mm-hmm. and uh, it just yeah, it's beyond abortion because not every child is murdered, you yeah. know, in our day and age. But at the same time, they're being murdered too. Right, yes. they're being placed in front of uh, TVs, babysit by TVs. They're being fed Hollywood garbage, Netflix garbage, well, not even, YouTube not movies even that. garbage. They can just be on their phone playing some game. Right. Yes. Their cell phones. Yes. You know, you take away yeah, a child's absolutely. cell phone and they freak out. I've seen it today. 
uh, you know, they mm. freak out when you take away that media device. And that is so, so sad. But that is the the situation of our nation, America. Just I believe it is. It's just a spiritual yeah. bondage. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes, yeah. it is. Absolutely. No, that's, that's so true. So good. And it and I'll say one more thing and I'll let you go. But it's 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 spiritually bondage because those children, children are being raised now just carnal, just yeah. carnal. There's there's no need for a touch of God in their lives. They don't think right. because they have they're just distracted. Yeah. They're you know, they're just wrapped up in yeah. all this. And, and we could go on and on and not just that, but all kinds right. Of and stuff. there's no natural affection even just I mean, it's no. vir- you know, virtual yes. reality. No, it is a terrible thing, yeah. and it just robs, really. I mean, if you even look at just, uh, as Pentecostals, we don't have TV, and uh, I could have five reasons for not having a TV, and, it, and we're not even at the sin part yet. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, look, you look mm-hmm. at the, I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah. scientifically, yeah. what it does to your brain, and it's not just kids, it's adults, too, but, you know, just yes. what it does to yep. you, yes. it makes you stupid, yes. and it's like an addiction. I mean, it's, I've seen some studies, and it's really, really weird. Anyway, yeah, so that's uh, – thank God Pentecostals don't have TV. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. <laughs> Egypt is a type of sin, and we see the result of that sin. Jacob, we see that yes, God calls Moses, um, and Moses makes some excuses. What do you think about that? Well, it, it's kind of funny because this is something that I myself had to deal with. Um, but so – in chapter four of Exodus, we see that, you know, God comes to Moses in the burning bush and, and begins to speak with him, uh, the angel of the Lord and, and speaking with him. And and Moses comes up here. Let me jump to those verses here real quick. Um, in verses 10 through 14. Now, God is God is has told him, I'm going to do this. You're going to make it in there. And he's he showed him those miracles that, that Brother Seth mentioned in the overview that. You know, uh, throwing that rod down and becomes a snake. He picks it back up, puts his hand uh, into his into his uh, his vest, uh, pulls it back out, and it's leprous. He puts it back in; it becomes normal. He's seen this. He's seen the miraculous. But here in chapter four, verse ten, we see it, and I'll read it. And it says, "And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue, and the and and the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now th- therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And then it says in verse 14, The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Moses is in verse 13 there. He says, Lord, just tell me who you want to send and I'll go send them. Yeah. <laughs> and and yep. the Lord gets angry because he's like, I've chosen you. And, th- you know, this was something that uh, I had the privilege when I went, I went to Barcelona, Spain on an AYC trip. Uh, bless God for AYC trips. If you haven't gone on one, I'm going to do shameless plug. Go on one. Hey man, that's good. Um, uh but anyways, when I went there, I had the privilege of being able to teach in the adult or in the adult in the English speaking church there. And uh, this was one thing that I taught on. I, ta- I this was before I was a youth leader and I taught about Moses, ref- you know, making these excuses and how God 
was angry with him for it and how we need to make sure not to. Well, when I came back, um, it was, this was after this was when I got my call by the Lord to, to be the youth leader. And I was mm. pacing about my room uh, or my apartment at this time. And, and I'm, I was, I'll admit I was angry with the Lord mm. because mm -hmm. he, uh, he kept taking my youth leaders. He took, uh, brother Anthony's, uh, pastor, uh, mm -hmm. took him a few years over to there. Thank you. And then, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and, then my, and then my, uh, my next youth leader, uh, they moved to Michigan and I was just mad. I was like, Lord, why do you keep taking this? And I, I distinctly remember, I've had a few times where the Lord's spoken into my, you know, into my head. It's not my own voice. It's an authoritative voice. Um, and it said, I want you to be the youth leader. And I stopped in my tracks and this, this very thing popped into my head. It was, it was like, don't make an excuse. Just say yes. was like mm. all that popped into my head. So I'm like, whatever you want, Lord, you're going to have to make it happen. I'm not going to, you know, campaign or anything like that. You got to make it happen. And sure enough, he did. Then I believe a month I was, I was leading the youth. Um, but yeah, I, my whole long story short, be careful when you make excuses. Right. right when God calls you to something, if he calls you, he's going to equip you. Right. If he calls you to the ministry, if he calls you into anything, I mean, just being a father or, or a mother, if it's your instance or doing anything, God's going to equip you with the ability to do it. You just got to trust him. Right. Right. And, and on that note of being called, he just mentioned, um, you know, if you're called to be a father, um, let me help you with that. If you don't know if you're called to be a father or not, <laughs> if you have a child, you're called yeah. to be a father. And now yep. uh, I'm yep. going to give you, I'm going to tell you how God spoke to Moses. He said, I, I've called, you know, get out there and get them, get, get, get the children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> under the Lord. <laughs> get your, get your hand to the plow and do it. So yeah, that's great. Don't make excuses. If God calls you, uh, if you're not sure if God calls you, I'll tell you one thing that God calls us all. He calls us to be saved. Many are called, but few are chosen. Um, and, yep. our, and that's just simply our response to the call. And even in that, Jesus told a parable about many are called, but few are chosen. When they are called to come into the yep. kingdom and people made up all kinds of excuses there. So we sure don't want to make up excuses when God calls us because we, um, you know, many are called, but few are chosen. We still got to go. I, I, yeah, I feel our, our, I mean, for all of us, you know, when I talk about call, obviously, in the most of us, we start to think about ministry and all that. But the call that all of us have is witnessing. Right. You Absolutely. Know, God has, God has called all of us to witness, to share the gospel. Each one of us has a gospel, a, a good news that we can share, you know. Right. Um, now, I'm not saying like it's different. You know, it's, it's Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose again to, you know provide for us salvation that's the gospel but each of us has our own testimony that kind of shows a little light on that gospel and we need to share it yes. don't make excuses you know when when you come up to that person in the middle of the of the grocery store and something tells you hey go tell them about god and you're like nah that can't be of god well of course it has to be of god the devil's not going to tell you to go witness to someone <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the truth <laughs> <laughs> like the devil's not going to tell you to go, hey, go tell that person just how much Jesus loves them. It's like, no. That's, yeah, that's, if you that's get God. that feeling, yeah. if you get that feeling, it's Yeah, God. and even if it's, All let's right. just say it was just your flesh, you know, or your, your, your well, yeah. thinking, you know, like maybe you want to be used more than 
you know, more than you should be, you know, that's still okay. You yeah. know, <laughs> that's still okay because that's, well, yeah, God, God you know, could yeah, bless it. Absolutely. It. You know, it's, it's like, if, yeah. you know, we've all been standing in church before, I'm sure. And, you know, you feel like, you know, we should go pray with somebody that's praying or mm-hmm. crying out to God, yeah. you know, we should go pray with them, lay our hand on their shoulder and, and, uh, you know, we're like, well, you know, you know, God, I don't know if that's you or if I don't know, that's just me thinking that I should do that. And, you know, I'd probably just go do it, you know, <laughs> either way, as, long as, it's, as long as it's good. Yeah. yeah. Nobody's going to. Yeah. Yeah. If it, you know, if it's, <laughs> you know, if you want, if God, to, you feel like, you know, you should go pray with someone, just go pray with them. You know, if you feel like you should Absolutely. go spread the gospel, yeah. just go spread the gospel. Yep. yep, that's exactly right. There are some things that you don't like. God, is it your will that I teach this person a Bible study? God, <laughs> is it your will that I tell these people about you? There are some things that we really don't have to pray about. You know, we yeah. are called to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. We're all in agreement on that. Okay, so let's see. Chosen topics. What else were we going to cover? Psalm 8 4. Um, there we go. Psalm 8 4. Jacob. I believe you had some thoughts on that. Or was that? No, nope, I'm that's so, Anthony. That's Anthony. Anthony, what do you got to say? Psalm, <laughs> what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest? Well, let's see. This is a psalm of David. It's, uh, mm-hmm. David is, is just, I don't know. If, he, he's basically taken aback that God is so interested in him. He, he, yeah. There is this kind of uh, astonishment because there is a realization of who he is. David David knows that you know he he's the runt of his family. You know he was the young brother. Uh, there's nothing in him that anybody should care about, but he has this relationship with God, and in this song, the psalm song whatever you want to say um mm-hmm. he, he is just can't help but give god all the praise there there's this there, there's something beautiful when you realize your relationship to god and yeah. your relation to god because he right. is yeah. lord he is the one who made the heavens he is the one that uh we talked about it with moses he made moses's mouth you know he, he's the one who makes yeah. us and creates us He's the one who calls us, Brother Jacob. He's the one who mm-hmm. establishes us. So there, basically, there's something awesome when we realize where we fit into God's plan. Right. Yeah. And yeah. we should be, you know, we should stand in awe of that. That who am I that God's mindful? Yes. Of, and uh, you know, one Psalm says that He understandeth our frame. You know, He knows. That we're dust. I mean, yeah. he understands our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. He knows our coming yeah. and our going, and yet he's interested in us. And that is an amazing yeah. thing. And he's interested in in everybody. It says mm-hmm. man there. Um, you know, that's mankind, and he really is interested in all of us. And that is he is mindful, and that is that is a beautiful thing. Amen. Anybody mm-hmm. else that's... got anything they want to add to that? Yeah, you know, I um, I think you guys did a great job there, but uh, yeah. You know, it's. I, I will mention to you that this is a a, a prophecy of the Messiah. Um, I believe in, yeah. in Hebrews chapter yeah. two, verses six through eight. This is quoted, speaking of Jesus Christ. You know, um, you know, speak. You know, it's it is a prophecy too, but it, it has a double a double meaning. You know, it's one for us. Right, it's yeah. David. You know, Lord God, how to David? This is 
yeah, this is just his his words, you know. But but right. But looking back on it too, it's also prophetic. So it's a double, yeah, double meaning here. But you know, I you know we I think every one of us can look at the scripture and you know and just say you know what am I, you know what am I that that you would care that you're mindful of me or you know that you that you right visit me you know and that word visit or visit excuse me uh, is is uh, you know. is 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 pay attention to, or care for, you know, what, you know, what, yeah, you know, or me that that you pay attention to me, like what what do you you know what am I? I'm nothing, really. You know, right. really, yeah. we God doesn't need us. You know, yeah, I don't true. know. If, you know, we we true. sometimes think of ourselves a little more than we ought. You know, like you know, yeah. God needs yeah. me. You know, God, like the yeah. world wouldn't turn around without me, and it's like you know, it would, <laughs> it would be just fine without you. God could live. You know, he's done it for infinity past and he'll do it for infinity yeah. future if, if he has to uh, without you. Yeah. Okay. You're not that right. important. Yeah. So you just, you, this is, this is mind blowing to us here. What are we that God would take time out of his busy, uh, I wouldn't say day, but his busy eternity to pay attention to us and to care for us and to, yeah. you know, that Jesus even said he knows the very number of hairs on your head and I'm making it easy for him. Yes. I'm going bald, but I mean, you know, it's. Yeah, it's it's, it's that's, that's not the Lord doing the work of the Lord yeah. here, <laughs> you know. But he, he he cares. He cares for you. He cares about the little things. He yeah, cares about know. the big things. He cares about yeah. all in between. I think this ties in perfectly too with Joseph. You know, God. Yeah. In yes. every little right. thing, God just orchestrated. He touched his life. He blessed his life. He protected mm-hmm. yep. him. Yes, and every little thing, every every path along, every you know, um, uh, event along the way. God took care of Joseph the whole way. You know what? And I'm sure Joseph could say, "What am I, God, that you care?" Yeah, you know, but yeah, right, but yeah. he did, and that God paid right. attention. Yeah, it really to him. makes me think of. Oh, sorry. Uh, it really makes me think of that. I don't even can't even think of who sings it, but the song. You know, uh, is it true that you are thinking of me? Yeah, Philip you know, Dean. That you love me so. Okay, yeah, so amazing. You know that. Just, I mean. Just to sit there and be like, okay, I can speak right now and I can say, Lord, I need this. And to know that he's right here, right. that he can hear, not only is he hearing my voice, he's basically like, he's in my breath. He's, you know, he's everywhere all around. So as I'm speaking to him, he hears it, he knows it. And then like you were saying, you know, he's, he has compassion on it. That no matter how big or small, he wants to, to fulfill it. You know, we, uh, I'm about to go down a rabbit hole, but we, with prayer and stuff like that, when we, when we pray for someone's healing, right, it, oh, it gets me so, so kind of riled up. Cause like, I, we'll start, you know, we'll say, Hey, if you, if you are sick in your body, come forward to the front and let the elders anoint you with oil, pray the prayer of faith. And I know some people, one of them is probably might be listening to this when this airs and, and they'll probably give me a, a dirty look the next day, but oh, I know oh. that they're sick. Like, not really, but I, like, I know that they're sick. I know they've told me that they're not feeling good. Yeah, it might just be a small little cold, but go front, go forward and get prayed for anyways. Sure. You know, it's something that we are like, oh, yeah, I can do it myself, but God cares. Yeah. God, you know, he bore those stripes on his back for our healing. Right. That was so we could be healed. It, it's just amazing that, that he thinks about us and cares about us. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Thank God for that. 
All right, folks. We are very quickly um, or very rapidly going over. <laughs> yeah, out of time. <laughs> we hope that you enjoyed this week's um, episode of Scripture Unleashed. 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 Uh, <laughs> if we, uh, if something jumps out at you that we didn't cover or we didn't talk about, or if you uh, something that you find that that's of interest or sticks out to you, please let us know. We'd love to see what you found. Um, obviously, we can't cover everything, and there's going to be all kinds of nuggets, yeah. wisdom things yeah. you can pick up um, through your own reading and study of the word. Uh, but if you do find something, we would sure love to hear from you. You can send us a voice message through anchor.fm. I'm not sure. Jacob, how does that work? So basically, if you go on to our uh, page, our Scripture Unleashed, so you go to anchor.fm forward slash Scripture Unleashed, uh, there's a button on there that just says uh, record a message or send a message. And uh, Anchor will allow you to record your voice and we'll get it in our inbox here. And then we can either add it to our, our next session or we potentially can just kind of dig into it, kind of look at it and have something else. We'll see what we're, what we're planning, but we'd love to hear from you anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you just have a word of encouragement or any advice that you can give us, same, give it, leave us a voice message, or you can also go on our Facebook page. I believe that's the scripture unleashed. You can go on there, leave us a Mm -hmm. message. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And with that, we hope that you enjoyed this week's episode, and we look forward to having you with us next week. We're going to be going through Exodus chapter 7 through 27 and Psalms chapter 11 through chapter 13. Good night, everyone, and God bless. God bless. God bless. Thank you for listening. This has been Scripture Unleashed.